welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. We have, I have a couple things uh, I need to share with you, um, but I think I'm going to wait to the end and just jump right into the message this morning, because the message really goes along with what the Lord's already been doing here this morning. It's uh, the message title today, which this may change, but right now this is the title. The message title is The Joy of the Gospel. The Joy of the Gospel. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read a, a passage here. I want to give you some context before I jump into the passage. Um, what's going on is I'm reading out of Acts chapter 8, and what has just happened is Saul had just given permission to stone Stephen. Stephen um, was a deacon who began preaching the gospel, and uh, because of that, they had some people rise up against him and wanted to stone him for blasphemy is what they called it. And so they stoned Stephen, and Stephen became the first martyr. Out of that incident, it says in the Gospels, or it says in Acts, it says that the church was, had begun persecution, the es- or the persecution had escalated because of the stoning of Stephen, and the, the church was then dispersed, was on the run, right? So they ran out and was dispersed because of the escalation of the persecution that was going on. So that's, that's what's happening when we jump into verse number four in uh, chapter eight of Acts. And this is what it says. It says, although the believers were scattered by persecution, they preached the wonderful news of the words of God wherever they went. Let me read that again. Although the believers were scattered by persecution, they preached the wonderful news of the word of God wherever they went. Let me remind you, they are on the run because they just watched Stephen get murdered for the gospel. They just watched their fellow believers be imprisoned and persecuted. And so they are running literally for their lives in this moment. And it says that what is coming out of their lips, what is coming off of their tongue is the good news of the gospel. They're not complaining. They're not griping. They're not in fear. What is flowing out of their mouth is the good news of the gospel. And listen, I've made this point, I think, in every message since the pandemic has hit, but I'm gonna keep making it until we all get it deep down inside of us that in this moment, although there is chaos happening around us, although there is all kinds of corruption, although there is this disease that is running wild, although all of the, the, the rioting, the looting, the injustice, all of these things happening around us, what needs to be proceeding out of our mouths is the good news of the gospel and not grumbling and complaining. Because the grumbling and complaining will make zero difference in the world. It will add nothing but more chaos, more confusion, and more strife. And listen, I have to keep saying this because I I keep making the the horrible decision to get on Facebook and scroll. And when I see Christians getting on there and just adding fuel to the fire, it, it just infuriates me. Because that's all it's doing is adding fuel to the fire. It's just making the chaos more chaotic. 
And I'm not saying don't speak out. Listen, please hear my heart in this. I'm not saying don't, don't uh, um, speak what you feel is right or, what, or call out the wrong things in this world. I'm saying do it productively. And doing it on Facebook with a meme that you're sharing that just fuel, lights your fire is probably not going to be effective. If, if I'm not saying don't make a difference. I'm not saying don't call out corruption in government. I'm not saying don't call out uh, things that are lies. But I'm saying do it productively. Do it the right way. And let your words be full of life and truth and the gospel. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, the only thing that is going to change the hearts of man is the gospel. Period. And the, the church is just watched Stephen die, and they're on the run. And the words coming out of their mouth is the good news of the gospel. Wherever they go, they are spreading life, and they are spreading Jesus. After watching one of their friends get murdered. I think, if, I think if the early church who was being imprisoned and being killed for their faith can do that, then we can handle a little pandemic, pandemic and handle a little corruption, right? Let's let our words be full of life and the truth of the gospel, amen? That was just verse four. Although the believers were scattered by persecution, they preached the wonderful news of the words of God wherever they went. Philip traveled to, Samar the, to a Samaritan city and preached to them the wonderful news of the anointed one. He preached to them the wonderful news of the anointed one. The crowds were eager to receive Philip's message and were persuaded by the many miracles and wonders he performed. Be careful not to pass over this statement. First of all, Philip has traveled to the Samaritan village. Now, we've talked about Samaria before, but just to give you a little bit of background once again, the Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. I'm talking they hated each other. That Jews would literally go around Samaria, even though it took them a lot longer of a time to travel, they would go around Samaria because they didn't want to go into the city of Samaria. They were called half-breeds. Samaritans, where they were, uh, the way uh, the people group came about, the Samaritans came about, was back when the Jews were held in captivity uh, with the Assyrians, by the Assyrians, the uh, Assyrians took on Jewish wives, and the product of the, the marriage between the Assyrians and the Jews was what is now called, or was called, the Samaritans. So the Jews and the, and the Syrians who held them in captivity married, and the children they produced were called Samaritans. So that is why the Jews looked at the Samaritans and called them half-breeds. They looked down upon them. They were unclean people. This is the village that the Philip is preaching in. This is the culture that he is going into. Is this animosity that had been going on for hundreds of years between the Jews and the Samaritans. And it says that when Philip walks into the village and begins sharing the good news of the gospel, it says that the Samaritans were eager to embrace it. They were eager to accept it. So he's got... So, so what is it? What, what about this gospel was so good that this people 
these people whose cultures hated each other, they were so willing to accept the gospel. Not only did their cultures hate each other, remember, once again, they're on the run for their lives for preaching this gospel. Not a good selling point for the gospel, right? Hey, if you believe this, you're probably going to get murdered, right? But it says that the Samaritans were eager to accept the gospel. They longed for the gospel. What was Philip preaching? What was Philip preaching that made the Samaritans so hungry to receive this gospel that would probably get them killed? It was the good news of Jesus, right? It, was, it, says, it says in, the, in an earlier verse, it says that Philip went preaching about the anointed one, Jesus. He was preaching for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, that he came into this world not to condemn it but to save it, and that anyone who is in Christ Jesus is no longer condemned. He came preaching that, 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 um, that though your sin was as scarlet, now it is white as snow. Though it was as crimson, now it is white as wool. This is the gospel he's preaching. That, that, though, that, that now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That he took your sin upon himself and became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, these are the most powerful scriptures in the Bible, and, and I'm not hearing any amens out of this. Come on, the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. This is the gospel, that you are dead in trespasses and sins, but he made you alive in Christ Jesus, that though, though before you ever accepted him, before you ever decided to change your ways, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Why? This goes on in Ephesians 2. It tells us because of his great love with which he loved us. Period. This is the gospel. This is the good news that Philip was preaching to the Samaritans that made them go, we've never heard this before. We've got to have this Jesus. That, that Philip came in and said, the Messiah we've all been waiting for. The Samaritans believed in the Messiah too. They believed in the Old Testament as well. The Messiah we've all been waiting for is here and he's way better than any of us have ever imagined. It's, it's Romans. I don't have this one memorized yet, but I'm going to because it's a powerful scripture. It's Romans 8. It says, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Listen, listen to that. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty. This isn't about coming to church. This isn't about being a good right-wing conservative. This is about the gospel. You didn't get pulled into a religious system. Leading you back, all of those things, leads you back into the fear of never being good enough. Nothing we can do, all of our works are as though as filthy rags uh, in light of his, of his goodness. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance and folding you into the family of God. Listen to these words and think about the Samaritans. 
Think about them hearing this version of the gospel. The Samaritans who had been outcast from God's chosen people, right? The Jewish people. They have been outcast. They have been, out, uh, they have been half-breeds. And this is what they're hearing. That this, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance and folding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join in him saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. Come on, Samaritans. Your grandparents were called half-breeds. You were called half-breeds. And your kids are being called half-breeds. But this Jesus that's come along now says that you are now a part of the family of God. That you are no longer out of reach of the, of the God of the universe. That you are now called sons and daughters of God. This is the gospel that was preached to him. And this is the gospel that we hold today. The joy of the gospel. That you are no longer orphaned. That you are no longer drowning in your sin and in despair. But he has lifted you out of that mud pit. And he has placed you on a solid rock. And you are sons and daughters of the living God. If that doesn't ignite something inside of you, then I think you've lost your way in the religious experience. This is the gospel. The Messiah has come. And he's better than any of us could ever have imagined. This is the gospel that changed the entire Samaritan village. This is the gospel that changed Saul from being a religious expert in the law, killing Christians, to being Paul, the one who wrote most of the gospel. A lover after Jesus who has martyred himself for the gospel. This is the one, this is the gospel that changed Peter, the man who denied Christ three times, uh, the coward, into a man who was a lion, who went and shared the gospel, stood up in front of 3,000 people who had just murdered Jesus and said, you had just murdered the Son of God and began sharing the gospel and saw over 3,000 people saved. This is the gospel that changed Peter from a coward into a lion. This is the gospel this is the gospel that changed Zacchaeus from a greedy thief into a lover of God who was generous and gave back all of the gifts that he stole and then some. This is that gospel. This is the gospel that changed the man who was lame from his mother's womb into a man who could dance on the streets. This is the gospel that took Lazarus dead in the grave and made him walk out completely alive. This is that gospel. This is the gospel that changed some of you into alcoholic, from alcoholics into men and women of God who are completely sober and set free and in their right minds. This is the gospel that for some of you who were on the brink of divorce and Jesus stepped in and completely saved your marriage. This is the gospel who some of you were laying on your deathbeds and he had raised you up and given you new life. This is that gospel. My question to you this morning is this. Is the gospel still affecting you? Is the gospel that changed your life still changing your life? Is the good news becoming 
something that you've heard over and over again and, and you're getting numb to it to where you're not, you, you, you don't celebrate it like you used to. You don't live for it like you used to. You don't appreciate it like you used to because you've become so numb to the idea that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Is the gospel still changing your life? We are called to go from glory to glory to glory. Do you know right now, Revelation says that right now there are angels in heaven circling the throne of the Father and still finding out new things about him. They're still discovering new attributes about God because he is so vast and so big. And for some reason, we think that since we've been in church for so long and we've been Christians for so long that we somehow have gathered all the knowledge we need to know about about the Father. But right now in heaven, angels are still crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they're still discovering new things about him. Is the gospel still changing you? Are you still ascending from glory to glory? You know, the Bible tells us, it says that there are things that eye has not seen and ear has not heard for the, uh, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact term, but the eye has not seen and ear has not heard that will come to the sons and daughters of God. There's still things totally unknown to us, but have we stopped because we've, we've somehow think we've got it all figured out. Is the gospel still changing you? Does your life look different today than it did a year ago? Are you closer to the Father today than you were last year at this time? And if you can't answer that with a yes, then you have fallen into the rut of this gospel just becoming so familiar that it no longer produces change in you. And if it's not producing change in you, what makes you think that it will produce change in anyone around you through you? If it's not still changing you today, then it it will never change someone else through you. Is the gospel still affecting you and changing you today? Does your life look different than it did last year? Are you discovering new things about him, the one who rescued us and saved us? I know worship was a little bit different this morning. I know we did an extra song and there was maybe a little more movement than normal. But is, let, me, let me take it a step further. Is the gospel affecting your worship? Is the gospel affecting your worship? Listen, I, I will never stand up here and look out into the crowd and think that you're not worshiping with all of your heart because you're not jumping up and down, okay? I wanna make that very clear, that there's people, I, listen, I, I spent two years at the ramp and I lived my life growing up in a charismatic church. I know what it looks like to see people jump and dance and go crazy and it mean absolutely nothing, okay? But that being said, there should be a reaction inside of you from the goodness of God. And if that reaction 
is jumping up and down and dancing and spinning and yelling out with all of your might, then let it be that. Let your heart posture be thanksgiving for the joy of the gospel. Listen, let's celebrate every Sunday when we walk into this building and we begin strumming our guitar and banging on the piano and singing and and worshiping, let every Sunday be a celebration for the goodness of the Father, that he has taken you from death to life, that you are no longer bound in sin, but you are set free. And the Bible says that you are made holy and righteous and without a single blemish. That should cause us to celebrate day in, day out, every Sunday morning. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this because I grew up charismatic. I'm saying this because I, I believe the gospel. But I think it's fitting to get crazy in this gym sometimes because we're going to start being affected by the goodness of the Father. David, come on. Everybody talks about this when we talk about worship. David, the warrior, the man with so much blood on his hands that God said he wasn't allowed to build the house of God. The one who killed the giant with a slingshot and chopped his head off. The most manly, where's Ryan at? The most manly man. He even tops Ryan. The most manly man in the gospel. The guy you would never want to pick a fight with. Danced before the Lord so hard that people looked out and mocked him. But as they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence and the goodness of the Lord, the, the, the favor of the Lord upon them, as they brought that into the city, he lost complete control and began dancing. So much so, listen, this can't happen here. So much so, his clothes fell off. It's just part of it. <laughs> if you feel that coming on, just go to the bathroom, okay? <laughs> we don't need that in here. It is not feminine. It is not weird to celebrate the goodness of the Father. And so I just want to do that right now. I want to release you to celebrate in whatever way you react. If Listen, and if that's just raising your hands, then raise your hands. If that's just closing your eyes and just telling him thank you over and over again, then let it be that. Just let it be real and authentic. Let it be real and authentic. We're not, we're not going for swinging from the chandeliers. If it happens and it's real, awesome. I know we don't have chandeliers, so maybe these sound things, whatever they are. Whatever it is, we're just going for authentic and real, not something manufactured, not something so we can say we have a charismatic style worship service. We want the real deal, but that goes both ways. If it's celebrating, awesome, but I also don't want us just sitting here in the middle of worship as we're singing songs like that your faithfulness, you have always been faithful to me, your goodness to me, all of these songs as we're singing them and they're just lip service, then that's not right either. Let's celebrate the goodness of the Father. Let's celebrate and joy of our salvation, the joy of our salvation. Amen. Is our lives being changed by the gospel? Let me finish reading the rest of what happened, the reaction 
of what happens when you preach the good news. It says Philip's message, or they received Philip's message and were persuaded by many miracles and wonders that were performed. And here was the result of the sharing of the gospel. It says many demon-possessed people were set free and delivered as evil spirits came out of them with loud screams and shrieks. And many who were lame and paralyzed were also healed. This resulted in an uncontainable joy filling the city. What was the effect of the preaching of the gospel? What was the effect of the good news? It says that many were set free and delivered. Many were healed and uncontainable joy filled the city. Uncontainable joy filled the city. This is what happens when the gospel is preached. People are set free, people are healed, and uncontainable joy fills the city. Listen, I'm believing so hard for this, for the cities around us. That uncontainable joy would fill the city of Elwood. That uncontainable joy would fill the city of Fairmount and Tipton and Kokomo and Wabash and every other city that surrounds us. That uncontainable joy would fill them. That people would completely be set free and delivered from whatever demonic activity is happening in their lives. That people who are sick can be healed because of the preaching of the gospel. But before it happens there, I want it to happen in this building. That uncontainable joy would erupt in this sanctuary. And that as it erupts in us, and as we go out to our jobs, as we go out to Harmony House, as we go out and live our lives, that that uncontainable joy that was, in the, that was in Philip and the other Christians who went out from that persecution, that as it was in them, so much so that it welled up inside of them and spread to everyone they came in contact with. Let that be the way it is with us, that the uncontainable joy of our salvation that we experience in this building, not just in this building, but in our prayer closets and in our homes and in our cars as we're driving back and forth from work, that joy of our salvation would overflow out of us into the environments around us. And we would begin to see, just as Philip did, wherever we go, people would be delivered, people would be healed, and uncontainable joy would fill the environments around us. Amen. I want to show you this video. A little background of what's happening. This is a man named Sean. Oh, I had it. He has a weird last name. I, I broke it down for myself in here. Sean Fioit. That's it. I know. That's funny. Sean Fioit is his name. It's how you pronounce it. It's not Fute. It's not Foot. It's Fioit. So Sean Fioit is a praise and worship leader who is actually, I believe, running for Congress or is it Congress? And I don't know, I don't know what state, probably California because he's from there. He has long hair, long blonde hair, curly, uh, wears sandals most of the time. He's like, he's like your normal California guy, right? You expect to see him surfing. Like his ad campaign is probably him on a surfboard riding a wave, right? So this is Sean Fioit, okay? He is a worship leader who has been going in to the cities uh, where the riots and looting are taking place and holding worship services right in the middle of the city. 
If you're not following Sean Fioit right now, you need to get on Facebook. Don't look at anything else but Sean Fioit, okay? Look at his videos and uh, his live streams, all of these things. He's doing it in different cities. Well, the video I'm about to show you, they are in Chaz, all right? Chaz, whatever it's called, the place in the city in Seattle that was, you know, overtaken and run by crazy people, right? So he's in the middle of that city holding a worship service in the middle of this, in the middle of Chaz. And uh, Antifa is there. There's a satanic group there. And then there's just your normal everyday looters and rioters there, right? So you have these three groups all there causing trouble. They're, they're actually running, in, running up to where all the musicians are. Uh, I think one of them grabbed the, some glue and dumped all over the keyboard. They're kicking the drums. They're causing chaos, right? They're chanting, yelling, yelling things, all of this. So all of this is happening. They're, they're doing their very best to disrupt and shut down what is happening. I want to show you this video. Now, a little precursor. This is from the perspective of one of those uh, Antifa members. Okay, he uses some language that is not very nice. So I warn you of that. I did bleep it out because it's Fifth Sunday, uh, so so I bleeped out the words. It's a very short video, but I want you to hear this Antifa member, this this man trying to cause destruction that has uh, no view of the gospel, has no regard for the gospel. Listen to his reaction to what's going on in this worship service. the joy they're experiencing. The more I yell at them, the better they, the more fun they have. The more fun they have, dude. It's ridiculous. The more we yell at them, the more chaos we try to sow, the more fun they have. The more I yell at them, the more I kick their drums, the more I pour stuff on their instruments, the more fun they have. Listen, this is the kingdom of heaven coming to the earth. This is what I've been preaching on for months now, that listen, though there may be chaos around us, the joy of our salvation, the good news of the gospel trumps all of it. That though there may be chaos in the world right now, though we may be dealing with a pandemic that is annoying, I get it, it's annoying, okay? Though we may be dealing with injustice and rioting and looting and people are going bonkers right now, that there is a way above all of it. There is a kingdom that is higher than above all of it. We are seated in heavenly places above all of it. And no matter how loud, no matter how crazy the world gets, we are going to have so much fun seeing the kingdom of heaven come to the earth. We are going to see the kingdom come to the earth. That revival is right on our doorsteps. And no matter how loud they scream at us, we are going to rejoice and we are going to have fun because none of it changes the good news of the gospel. None of it affects the good news of the gospel. And as the world sees us having so much fun, as the world sees us living differently than the world is living, as the world sees us as in complete peace and joy 
and, and fulfillment in the midst of all the craziness, then that is going to preach to them more than our words ever will. Because as they're sitting in turmoil, as they're sitting with anger and resentment and all of these and loss and not knowing what to do with their lives, as they're sitting in that and they see us sitting with fulfillment and peace and joy and we're not going crazy, we're not bad mouthing every other person we see, but we're just, we're calm and we're at complete peace. As they see that peace, it is gonna draw them just like it drew the Samaritans. And they said that, they said, whatever this guy Philip has, we have to have it. We have to have it. And revival is gonna come when we walk in the joy of our salvation. Revival is gonna come when we walk in the peace that surpasses understanding. When we're not moved to the left or to the right, but what's going on around us, when we can stand strong and tall and steady in the midst of chaos, when they see that, they're going to be hungry for what we have. And then we, like Philip, can walk in in the midst of persecution, in the midst of running for, in Philip's case, running for his life. In the midst of that, he can stand up and say, this is the good news of the gospel. And the entire city will be changed. This is what we're alive for, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, we can either be upset about what's going on around us right now, or we can realize that we have been placed on this earth for this moment and this time. It's not a mistake you were born in the middle of this. It's not a mistake that you were born in the middle of this. And this is how we win, is we look to Jesus and the joy of our salvation and allow that to flow out of us. I got one more scripture. I don't have it up there on the overhead. It's Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It says, now may, the God, now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you with overflowing and uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with this super abundance until you radiate with hope. I'm gonna read that again, but this time, I'm reading this as a prayer over all of us this morning. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his super abundance until you radiate with hope. Jesus, let us radiate hope. God, fill us this morning. Fill us with so much joy. Fill us with so much peace. Fill us with so much clarity, Father, that we radiate hope. That wherever we go, Father, that the joy of our salvation would radiate hope to those around us, Father. God, I believe the answer to the chaos is in this room right now. The answer is sons and daughters full of the Holy Spirit, radiating hope to a lost generation. God, let us radiate with hope this morning. Let the joy of our salvation become real to us again.
Let the joy of our salvation become real to us again. God, let John 3.16 not just be a verse that we all know by heart, but don't, have, don't feel the power and the effectiveness in it. That you so loved us, that you so loved the world, that you gave your only son willingly, that whoever would come to him would have everlasting life. Lord, that you did not come into this world to condemn the world, but to set us free. That when we are in Christ, there is no condemnation. Father, let us celebrate this every single day of our lives. That though our sin was as scarlet, it is now white as snow. That we are no longer sinners, but we are sons and daughters of God. Seated in heavenly places. God, let this overflowing joy come into us as we realize who we are in the kingdom. Let it not become just a normal thing to us. Let it, let it not become just redundant to us, but let, us fill, let it fill us every single day. Let, it, let the realization of the gospel fill us every single day and change us every single day, that we would move from glory to glory to glory. God, and let the, the response to the chaos around us, let our response be the gospel. Let our response be the good news of Jesus, the anointed one. And out of that response, God, I believe we will see miracles. We will see signs and wonders. We will see those who are bound up with addiction be set free. We'll see those who are, who are uh, bound by demonic oppression being set free. And we will see uncontainable joy filling our cities and our workplaces. Lord, let it start right here in us. Let it start right here in us. Let uncontainable joy, the uncontainable joy of the gospel fill our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name.